Hi, I'm Dan Young, and you're listening to Glory Days of Gold. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Glory Days of Gold, your East Fife and Scottish football podcast. I'm Lee Gillis. I'm Doug Perry. I'm James Mill. So a few um, notable absentees from this show, obviously being Michael, um, who's away on his holly bobs, and we've got Gordon, who's away in a wigwam, or his camping, or cottage in, or something. I can't remember which one exactly it was. But I hope you guys enjoy the show this week because it'll be all the better for not having you on, to be honest. Um, how are we doing, gentlemen? Obviously, great result today. Um, it's, it's nice to actually be talking about a win, which um, after the first half performance, I, I, I wasn't entirely sure that we would be talking about that. But um, definitely a, a great way to, to start your weekend. A, a nice, calm, collected performance from the five, particularly in the second half in a 3-0 win. Doug? Obviously, we've spoke quite a lot today because you sat right behind me in an almost stalkerish fashion. But we spoke at great points throughout the majority of the half. And there's one thing that I wanted to bring up, and there's a few things that irked Doug throughout the show today. And I just want to get a general consensus from our listeners and yourself as well, James, to see if Doug's just being miserable or alternatively, he's got a point. So point number one. Clapping the substitutions as they come to warm up. Doug had a bee in his bonnet about that. It's a, new, it's, a, it's a new thing. That never happened three, four years ago. It's, it's just, I don't know, it's tokenistic. I mean, half the guys that are walking past you, you don't even know who they are. And it's like, clap, clap, clap. And then they go back and then they come on again. It's clap, clap, clap. It's like, come on. When they get called back from the bench to come on, I'm fine with that because that's giving the guy a little bit of boost. As he, but otherwise, yeah, it, no, nobody will agree with me. I'm, I'm okay with it. It just annoys me. So I think Doug's um, being a bit miserable there. And we yes. moan about there not being enough atmosphere at Bayview, and people try and make a wee bit with that. Damn it, um, James! You're right. You're right. Woofed. <laughs> <laughs> so James off to an absolute fire by silencing Perry within seconds tonight. Sad so, times. He'll not be back, Lee. He'll not be back. <laughs> We'll see, we'll see if you get a vote when it comes to that ultimatum. We'll let the listeners decide whether it's uh, yourself or, or James in an X Factor style sing off at the end of the show. <laughs> there was other Nobody things. Wants to hear that. <laughs> I actively went out of my way today to annoy Doug on a few things by calling player son, which he also hates. Um, you're not his dad. How do you know? You're, you're just not. <laughs> well, yeah, there'd be lots of issues if you were Kevin Smith's dad. Very, very true. Very, very <laughs> true. But again, you know, I, I actively said to my dad, I'm just going to noise Doug up for the, <laughs> for the rest of the game. And 
if it had been any other weekly when we were rubbish on the pitch, it would have probably tipped me over the edge. I'd have given, <laughs> you, a, I'd have given you a firm slap to your balding head, but um, I, I'm actually balding's kind, isn't it? Uh, no, it's just bald. Yeah, I was going to say that's suggesting it's still a pro- that's suggesting it's still a process, and it's not. Yeah, uh, but no, I was happy today. It was fine. I seen you and Mass ended up loaded a picture and mining your big chrome dome, so um, prevalent in that, which was quite upsetting. Nice. But we move, we move. One thing that um, actually irked me today was Derek Lyle when he came on wearing the number ninety nine jersey. Now. We've, I've decided that the, the title of this show is called Derek Lyle, 99 Problems, but a fish ain't one. Um, I think that that was a, a, a strange decision. Like, who wears 99? And he came on and did absolutely nothing. He did absolutely nothing. But what we'll do is we're going to have a quick word from this week's sponsors and then we'll delve into the game. East Fife Community Football Club is proud to sponsor Glory Days of Gold. Keep up to date with all our community programmes through our Facebook and Twitter pages. There are classes available for every age and ability, from toddlers to walking football. Just search East Fife Community Football Club. Thanks as always to the East Fife Community Football Club for their ongoing support. And we've got a few other sponsors for this week's show. So Stalwart, John Scott Neal, Scott Allison, Douglas Campbell and Emily, Emily Renevison. So thank you for your um, continued support. Emily is a friend of my wife's and she is from Madagascar but very kindly um, bought a square when we were promoting that to, to get some money in to, to pay for the Zoom that we're on. So thanks for your ongoing support, people. And yeah. Um, what we're what not was our surname? Renevison. Wow. Yes. I, um, wow. Emily spelled E-M-I-L-I-E. So oh, of course. Yeah, like, yeah, sure. Very outlandish. But uh, an, uh, three points today. Um, absolutely resolute performance certainly in the second half naturally we'll talk about the first half I feel we kind of rode a luck a bit at times um, and the first talking point I'm going to have is obviously Chris Higgins I'm going to make a bit of a bold claim that he was maybe quite relieved to be coming off today because I think that putting him out in that left centre half position because we started with three at the back he, it, it looked like he was going to get exposed again. Um, and when we brought Dan Higgins on and went to four at the back, I feel like the performance in us just kind of changed and we felt more solid. But Chris looked and is looking more and more like he's definitely on his way out, Doug. Oh, um, on his way out sounds so tragic. I, I'm not going to go as far as that, but no, I agree. He's looking... He actually, for me, he looks a little bit like what he did when he came to us on loan, where he was a bit suspect. And then, remember, everyone was really surprised when we actually signed him. And then he basically turned into our best defender. I think he's just going through a wee bit of a spell. I think that formation doesn't do him much favours in terms of, you know, giving him a bit of protection because he's he get he got very badly exposed again with pace when the the jolly green giant took him down the line at one point. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I, look, I still think he's a very good player and I think he's a really important player for us. I just think he's going through a bit of a, a bad spell. And he, yeah, he was relieved, I'll be honest. I think I was maybe a wee bit relieved when he went off because I was really surprised that Higgins D didn't start after last week and I thought he was outstanding. 
Dan Higgins today was absolutely brilliant. Um, I don't think there'll be a single East Fife fan that could even be slightly critical of his performance. In the in the early stages of the first half, and um, something that we commented on was was how much the left hand side was was being exposed again. Um, and it looks, you know, like this is going to happen again and again and again. Scott Mercer had a good game today, in my opinion. I thought he played really, really well. But the first half, he was getting a bit of a, a torrid time. And when the ball was coming down the left-hand side and there was Higgins that was there, we just seen that that was going to be exposed because he didn't have the, I don't know if it's the, the fitness or the desire to, to, to get back and, and give Higgins a bit of a dig out. I mean, I think Pat Slattery did a bit more of that in the first half than, than what we've seen from, from Mercer. But Mercer seems to offer so much going forward, James, but the question's over him defensively. Yeah, one of the things I sort of was thinking, certainly in the first 20 minutes, half an hour, is where is he playing? Because he's moving about so much and wasn't getting back. And, and it was kind of a bit frantic. But I think that was the nature of the game. I think, to go back to your previous point, a bit harsh on Chris Higgins to say he's relieved because I think a lot of pressure has been put on him to kind of hold up that defence. And with the new formation, um, it's been, I like it. It seems to be more stable. And it seems to be working better, touch with only two games in. But, um, yeah, I think what as the game went on, Mercer seemed to get, come more into it and get a bit more comfortable. But initially, I was asking big questions about what's going on here, where's he playing, who's he, you know, it was just a bit confusing. Um, but, yeah, um, defensively, things seem to be going in the right direction. I don't want to say all our problems are solved, but they seem a lot more, the last couple of games, a lot more organised than going back to the League Cup games and things. It was just chaos at times. I think that that's where one of the things that Doug and I had commented on was where Dan Higgins seemed to have just brought an air of calmness. Um, we kind of noticed that when Higgins went off, the long ball for us stopped. It just didn't happen. And we were looking for passes. And, and what I liked about Dan Higgins is he, he seemed quite comfortable on the ball and he, and he was look, looking to bring it out. And, I mean, he played a couple of beautiful cross-pitch passes to Dunsmore and he just looks like he's going to have that in his game, that it's not just a hopeless hoof, that he's going to just be able to just bring a sort of calming presence, which I think might actually help Ross Dunlop, um, who, again, I also thought had a, a very good game, uh, game today. And fair play to him because, I mean, I was calling for him to be dropped last week. I'm sure that his confidence has probably taken a bit of a shake after that. But, you know, fair play to you, Ross. I thought you had a, a very good game today. Another injury, again, um, it looks like for um, Murdoch, who again started the game so, so well today and, and, and showed why we missed him, certainly down that right-hand side. A Cameron presence at the back, very, very good with the ball at his feet and was looking and made some actually very nice passes into uh, Dunsmore um, to, to try and create something in the first half. Doug, is, is it a case of, you know, we've tried to bring him back too early? and Because, I mean, I thought that we would maybe play him on the bench, you know, and, and get him like sort of integrated in over some substitute appearances, but you know, was straight into the, the team and available today. I think if you're Darren Young and you're under pressure, keep your job really, and a guy like Murdoch's available and declares himself fit, and your physio team says fit, you would put him straight back in, wouldn't you? I mean, yeah. you know, if he if he's on the bench, then people would probably be questioning why. You know, how's he no starting, as the cries would be from the Bayview faithful. Um, 
What I liked about it, though, is he didn't try and play on. He didn't, you know, he felt something and just went, right, I, I need to go, which was good. You know, if you look at, I guess, his probably hamstring pull or whatever it was compared to Connell's last week, there's a big difference between the two, I would imagine. So it might be that it might be a couple of weeks, you know, until he's back again, but it looked, hopefully, that it might not be too bad a one. But we're not having much luck in the injury front, that's for sure. No, well, I mean, if you count Higgins and then um, Murdoch back off again, Sean Brown didn't even make the bench today. So, um, and judging by, I believe, somebody sitting next to me that bought a programme that said, um, Darren Young apparently said that he wasn't expecting us to have Ross Davidson back for a while. However, the point that I want to come on just now, and there's two words in it's Kieran Miller, who I thought was absolutely brilliant today made a total nuisance of himself for 90 minutes. Like Doug would classically say, complete shithousery in a, a lot of parts, which, you know, we, we probably needed and, and making the clever fills and just did what Davidson would do for us and it, what a difference it then made in McManus. Because I don't know if it just made McManus feel that he didn't have too much work to do. Um, it looked like, you know, it... it let McManus be more of a, a sort of creative player and he did that today and we'll come on to that in, in the second half. But James, what did you make? Obviously, I don't know if, how long you've been going for, but was that your first impression of Kieran Miller? Is that the first time you've seen him? Yeah, first time I've seen him. Um, I think the point you made about, yeah, the sort of shithousery, for want of a better phrase. Yeah, I actually quite liked across, there was a few players who seemed to be a bit more robust today, seemed to be dropping the shoulder now and again, seemed to be letting the Peterhead players know they were there. And I thought, we've not seen that before. There's been a couple of games where they've kind of just rolled over. And it was quite nice to see that, where they're standing up and not being bullied. Um, it's not necessarily fouling or cheating or anything like that. It's just showing a bit of presence. I think he led the way on that. Um, I don't know if it's something that really highlighted in training or what, but it really made their presence felt. And it, it, I think it also calmed them down after a bit of a frantic start um, and got uh, got under Peterhead's skin, I thought. Um, certainly after the first 20 minutes or so, um, things seemed to calm down. And I think part of it was Peterhead were expecting maybe us just to roll over after the results we've had. Yep. Um, I, I think for me, there was there seemed to be a lot of talking in the pack um, from Peter Head players. But one thing I did want to compliment was our communication seemed a lot better, you know. Um, and I think even from the sidelines, it was great to hear Darren being, being vocal today. I don't know if that was because I was maybe looking for it um, a lot more after comments were made in the past. But the communication in the pack seemed a lot better today, Doug. Yeah. And I think a lot of that stemmed from Miller, second half, especially when we had a goal kick you know, and he's, everyone's getting organised, he was talking constantly, even if it was just a case of, you know, right, come on boys, keep going, keep going, to the next 10 minutes, blah, blah, blah. I thought he was outstanding and exactly what we needed. And James was bang on. If you're struggling as a team, and I said it last week, show a bit of fight, show a bit of dig, you know, put in a bad tackle, get the fans a wee bit. If, if I see East Fife, an East Fife team in the park trying their arse off, and running themselves on the ground, and we get beat, I can handle it way more than when they just kind of roll over and it's a whimper. That was, I thought he, I thought Miller was outstanding, and he's exactly what we missed with Davidson not being there. Just that guy to get stuck in a wee bit. He put a little naughty one in on Scott Brown quite early, who's their best player, and you think, 
it's exactly it's exactly what you need, and it completely freed up McManus to. Who you know? I mean, last week I thought he was completely anonymous, and this week I thought he was super. I mean, second half especially, he was brilliant. But that, yeah. I think it all it all stemmed from Miller's. I mean, he's probably he's probably one of these guys that. I mean, he probably should have been booked today. He had probably seven or eight, you know, little sneaky fouls. Perfect. That's that's absolutely that's exactly what we needed. Yeah, um, kept side very quiet as well. So it takes quite a lot of doing, considering he's got a, a seriously inferior podcast hours as well. We know that he likes to talk, and we commented that on the, the first time. But I mean, I thought he was really poor the day. Didn't float my boat at all. But we'll move on with, with all the nautical puns. I'm going to see how many I could fit in about Cypheria across the rest of this podcast. Um, I, I mean, it was that poor today. I heard he was up for sale, but, you know, we'll move on. Poor? No? Not happy? Very, very poor. If, if, if you're meaning, shall we move on, as in James and I just disconnect right now, then you're going in the right direction. I mean, that's fine. I, I could carry this podcast myself for the, the rest of the show on, on nautical puns alone. Sure. Yeah, I mean, we don't want to be like ships in the night, Doug, so... We'll... Oh, no, I can't deal with <laughs> So, look, we'll, we'll address the elephant in the room and, and the fact that, that Peterhead definitely looked a more dangerous team in the first half. Three chances off the bar, um, or, or off the woodwork in general, but I actually wanted to, to call out about how good Gallagher looked today. Um, he's, he's saved to tip the first one onto the post, was a, a top, top drawer save. I thought he was very vocal today. I thought his kicking was excellent. His distribution does seem to be very good. But Doug, I mean, it was something that you'd commented on yourself that you just thought he looked a bit more assured. Yeah, again, it's a confidence thing. I mean, that game today was a, it's a classic Scottish League One game in terms of I am 90% certain if Peterhead had gone in at halftime 1-0, we'd have probably lost that game. 90, 90% certain and probably I, I think we would have lost that game because it's massive the first goal is so so huge and the big difference today was we got the we got the little breaks when we needed it and we were clinical up front and there was no mistakes there was no stupid errors which makes such a difference and I think I think yeah Gallagher looked very assured it was someone on Facebook said something about he was that good he even let a shot go past him to hit the post but I was like it was actually a bloody good save to tip onto the post but no I thought it was good and as you say his kicking is really good really good yeah. I was impressed with him I must say I think whenever you've got a popular goalie like Brett Long and you lose him and you know for whatever reason unless the guy coming in as the replacement is unbelievable you're going to pick massive faults with them it's just natural yeah. and I think you know he, he's had a couple of iffy moments, but then I'm sure Brett had a few iffy moments as well that were, you know you, you don't notice as much because you're, you're a fan of him. But no, I thought Gallagher was very good and came for balls when he needed to, especially with a big lump like they had up front. I thought, no, Hen I Brun. thought he was excellent. Hen Brun, indeed. He, he was essentially Hen Brun. I mean, yeah. I remember you saying to me, like, oh, he's absolutely teared Higgins for pace. And I was like, no wonder the size of his strides. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> the guy was essentially a gazelle uh, in the first half. But to be honest, I mean, Peterhead looked a decent side in the first half. We'll move on to the second half now. And we just came out like caged animals. Whatever Dan's team talk was had almost an immediate effect. We scored our first goal in the 47th minute. 
Um, and, and Doug, we kind of felt that it was... Well, OK, we didn't, kind of. We feel that it was definitely a foul by Dunsmore um, on the lead-up to that goal when going for the header. Um, but it's, it's we got a break today, and we got breaks that we haven't had all season. And, you know, they've, they've all come at once. But what the ball lands to our future manager and legend, Kevin Smith, um, who just seemed to take absolutely forever to put it in the back of the net. But I don't know if it was just me. The ball lands at him. And I, I, I didn't know if the, the ball was getting under his feet or whatever. I was like, hit it, hit it, hit it. And to see the, the, the ball hit the back of the net there, the absolute relief and the light that went through me was was unrivaled. So honestly, it was definitely even better than, than when Watts' first goal went in um, against Queen's Park because I just kind of felt that it was probably at that time, although just after halftime against the run of, run of play, James, but we get right into it and right at the start of the half. That was exactly what they needed. And I thought at the end of the first half, we were pushing a wee bit, and I thought we could get something here and it'd be exactly what we needed. And then to come out like that, and like you said, it's whatever Darren said in there, whether he's given them a rocket or whether he's just gone and said, look, you're going in the right direction, whatever, they came out absolutely gagging for it. And um, I was exactly the same as you. I must have shouted at least twice, if not three or four times, hit it as he's sitting in the six-yard box there. And it's just like... Uh, the time seemed to stand still. Um, but yeah, um, it doesn't matter. I mean, I think we deserve a bit of luck after the past few weeks because we've had, we've said time and time again, we've had numerous chances and not put them away. And here we got a wee rub of the green. And yeah, and then that just, for me, that sort of set the, the trend for the rest of the second half. And you could see, and I don't think it was just the players, I think in the support as well, there was a bit of relief. It was kind of like, yes, we can play, we can do this. A bit of belief. I think there was just there just seemed to be a calmness on the pitch, and I think that that reflected in the, the support. Although one thing that I wasn't happy about um, at at halftime, as the players were coming in, booing a team that's that's drawn nil nil, and booing your own team is just something that I'll I'll never ever get. It, like shout whatever you want about the manager, or you know shout if you're not happy. I get it, but to boo your own team is just something that will never ever ever make sense to me. Um, what's your opinion on that, James? It was particularly frustrating at half time when you think it wasn't a bad first half. Yes, like you said, we rode our luck a little bit where they had three or four shots at, at the bar, the post, etc. And that, but you sit and go, actually, our players showed a bit of fight. And to start booing when we're only halfway through the game, we're still well and truly in it. It just seemed a bit you're like, how short sighted are you? I mean, you're not doing the players' confidence any favours when they put in a decent performance. And what I noticed in particular was what you'd alluded to. I'm sat not far behind where Darren Young is and he's shouting and screaming and going for it. He obviously gives a monkeys and he's passionate about it. And then to sit and boo at half-time, I, I can get it at the end of the game. You've lost something like that, I understand. But at half-time, I, I just don't understand that. I just don't get it. Yeah, uh, again, it's, it's one that I'm quite surprised at. The, the other thing that surprised me was the ref didn't give it because as far as refereeing performances go, that's one of the worst that I've seen in a very, very, very long time. Doug, I mean, you probably heard how vocal I was at the, the referee for, for 90 minutes who just seemed to give absolutely everything. I mean, surely surely there's got to be somebody there watching the referee's performance and it can't be coming off the park going, you had a good game today, mate. Just pernickety, I would say is the word. He just 
any time there was even a half a chance going in, he would give a free kick. And I think especially now when refs are, well, in other countries anyway, it seems like they're letting things go a little more. He just, he just broke it up constantly by giving cheap fouls. And yeah, I didn't, I didn't think it was great. I mean, I, as I say, for the first goal, I'm pretty sure 90% of refs would have given that as a free kick. Um, I mean, it's one of those ones you're going to go for, but as soon as you don't win it and you've clattered them, it, it's a foul. I mean, if that was a goalie, it was a definite foul. The Kevin Smith thing was funny because I think his problem was that he had to lift it over the dead guy that was lying in the six-yard box, <laughs> which made which made the finish uh, that little bit um, little bit harder. Um, I, I'm not surprised people booed at halftime because I'm not surprised by East High fans at all, ever. Um, I just laughed. It's pathetic. Like James is saying, if we're two or three nil down after the run we've been on, I I might have as well. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But it wasn't it wasn't a bad performance. You were, you know, you were witnessing fight. You were witnessing what we've been after. Because, like I've been saying in the last couple of weeks, we don't genuinely don't have as much quality as a lot of teams in that division. So you've got to have fight, and we did. And <sighs> taboo is mental and it's it's no surprise to be totally honest no um you know i'm always very much of the opinion that you should try and encourage the team as best as you can like if if something's terrible like i get having a moan i mean christ at cove the the fans would have heard me for the majority of the game and um even to a certain extent last week some of the the mistakes and stuff you know i understand but I tried to make the, the majority of my shouts encouraging and positive. And I would just like to maybe see a little bit more of that at Bayview. To be fair to the, the Section A boys, you know, they started to get a little bit more vocal. Um, I think that they do their best to, to try and bring some atmosphere at Bayview. And the only thing I could say to them is keep doing it, boys, because that that's the sort of stuff that we really, really need. You know, get get the drum back, get the, the singing going, because that that's, that's great to hear. So... I've, I've wrote down um, for this part of the show two two words, um, Jamie Semple. Um, and I just want to talk a bit about him, um, who I thought was very, very good today. Um, you know, we're going to have the exact opposite problem this week than we've had in previous, is try to pick a 3-2-1, because I feel like the majority of people probably do deserve pass marks. But, you know, at, at times I've, I've been quite critical and, and saying that I'm not really sure what he offers, but really today he made a proper nuisance of himself. The first half he tried to create some chances for himself and none that went particularly close in the first half. But I mean, the second half, you know, he, he played very, very well, Doug. Yeah, his hold-up play was great. And I think that's what massive... Remember, you know, the Cove away game when it was him and Connell up front, um, that was the problem. I mean, it was just the ball just wouldn't stick. And you need especially in those kind of games, you need respite from your strikers to just get hold of the ball. But I thought today he linked up very well with Kev Smith. He was strong. He was, you know, very willing runner and held off players really well. And I thought he created, yeah, even those two that he sort of, you know, hit pretty miles wide probably in the first half. But just the way he created them, rolling the defenders, it was, it was good to see. And I think when Connell went off last week, that that sort of sinking feeling everyone had, and he's still a, he's a, he'll be a miss. But if if Semple can play like that with with King Kev, then you know there's a potential partnership there anyway. 
definitely. I mean, he, he, he's credited with the assist for the, the first goal for, for Kev Smith when, you know, he might have been able to have a shot. I'll maybe need to watch it again, but, you know, he, he lays it off um, to, to King Kev, as you say, and, and Kev takes his chance very, very well. So we then move on to our penalty. Now, Doug and I have got conflicting opinions on this. Um, I'm pretty sure we have the ball down the right-hand side at that time, and I think it's Kev Smith plays a little jinking ball through and Semple makes a great run towards it. Um, my initial thoughts was, that's not a penalty, and if that's given against us, I'm not happy. Doug's opinion was stonewaller, that's a penalty every day of the week. James, which which side of the fence are you going to come on? You're going to hate me now, but I've not seen a replay of it, but at the time I was like, that is an absolute stonewall penalty. Um, and I was looking through the comments on the BBC website about the game, and it's got down there, he drew the penalty. Um, but yeah, my initial reaction was that was an absolute stonewall penalty. It's the classic one when you, when you watch it, Matt Lee, and you know, it's where the defender doesn't even know he's there and he's going to kick it away. And just as he's kicking it away, the samples nipped in. Got the ball first and he's clattered him. If if that happens, that then you've got to give Semple the, the credit for his intelligence to, to draw that foul. Usually. Um, Usually. There's there's one thing that I love watching about Kevin Smith, and it's something that players don't get an awful lot of credit for. He's so good at his body movement in terms of getting in front of defenders or even just you know taking that extra touch and drawing a foul. I I, I watch him every week and every week, just that difference in intelligence. Has been massive, and I hope that he could continue to bring that out of Semple because him and Semple today for 90 minutes, I thought were definitely um, the difference. But the man himself, Conor McManus, steps up. I, I must admit, because of how good Brett Long is at saving penalties, I did kind of go, oh no, like would, would this knock the, the wind out of our sails? Um, but it didn't happen, and, and McManus <laughs> steps up and completely takes it. Um, for our listeners, Doug's getting fed up with my monotical puns and, and pretended to throw his headset off there. I'll try and stop, I promise, but I'm not making any um, any promises. But yeah, he, he gets up and, and rolls it confidently in the corner, and after that, I just never felt that we were going to lose that game. The, the, the second half, um, I just felt like Peter Head kind of just folded you know, what I mean, they just they just didn't really offer anything, but but Doug, I mean, Conor McManus, a, a player that, that you and I have been quite vocal about. I mean, he's he's probably a stickler for man of the match. He's he's one of these players that will completely completely thrive on confidence. You could see it. He puffed the chest. I've said it. You know that sort of cockiness almost that some of these sort of centre midfielders have. When they're they know they're playing well, it's that ability just to do a wee turn, you know, stride forward, pick passes out, and it's the sort of game he'll have loved playing. He'll have loved every minute of it and wanted it to keep going because he's got the hold in the midfield. He's got the guy and Miller behind him that's going to do the the donkey work and let him play, and he'll have loved every minute of that. And that was the sort of Scott Agnew of three or four seasons ago kind of performance that that this team's missed. In uh, not having him now, so no, I thought he was fantastic, and he won't he won't be fantastic every game. I don't think he's that kind of player. I think he will have games where he'll drift in and out, and you, you know, not nothing much going through him. But if you can get him on the ball in the right areas, he's a he's a very good footballer for sure. 
Yeah, I, I loved it today, James, and I think it was actually on the lead up to the second goal where they've had the corner and the ball comes out to him and he just literally jinks the ball over, I think it's actually Ferry, um, and just brings it and just sprays the ball out to the right-hand side. And I think that that's where we actually got that opportunity from. But I think you're absolutely right, Doug, in terms of that he did just seem to puff his chest out. But what did you make of McManus today, James? And what I like was exactly that. His passes, he's actually, it's not just pumping the ball up the pitch. He's looking, there's long passes going in there, but they're targeted, they're getting to the players by and large. And also he's buying time and space for other players. And somebody like that, particularly when you've got somebody like Sempel, you can see he is getting more time on the ball because of the space he's being bought for him. And it, it just, you could see the confidence as the game went on, growing amongst the whole team. But him in particular was just creating a lot of space Picking out the right passes. Um, he was, I mean, in the first half, there was a few loose passes, not from him, but from others where you're sitting going, oh, is it going to be one of those days? But him, yeah, as the game went on, some of his passes were fantastic, buying time and space for others. And you, it just, you can see the confidence growing as the game went on. I thought the passing, by and large, like you say, James, was very positive today. Very, very positive. Yeah. Um, we didn't get drawn into Peter Head's game of... In the first half in particular, putting the ball in the air, um, I, I thought as the, the first half went on, they started deliberately bringing the ball down and putting it about. And by the back end, by the last sort of 15, 20 minutes of the second half, even I could pick up on East Fife players doing sort of magic triangles and stuff. And you're sitting going, this is incredible. They're actually, they've sussed it, that keep the ball on the ground and we can take most teams on. It's when you put it in the air, you can see we're struggling. I think because we don't really have that physical presence up front, Doug, that the long ball for us doesn't work. But if you get the ball into the feet of Kevin Smith, he's so clever, you know, that he could, he could turn around and make you a chance. Or even Jamie Semple, to, to an extent as well, was good at drawing a couple of fills out today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, bring up another name today that I actually thought had a, a decent game when he came on was Danny Denholm, Doug, who is so frustrating, isn't he? He's so frustrating because he shows glimpses today of some really, like, don't get me wrong, he gave the ball away a couple of times, but some clever, clever touches, um, you know, taking the ball at the corner. He does seem afraid to put a cross in, which I would quite like to maybe see a, a little bit more of, but a decent all-round performance from Danny and then obviously caps it off with his, his token long-range finish. <laughs> um, look, Danny Denham's very frustrating. He's... I'm trying not to do him a disservice. He, he's quite quick, but he's not overly skillful. So when he takes boys on, it tends to be a sort of DDA Agat sort of, I'm kicking it and I'm running and hopefully something comes off. But you know what? At the right time when he came on, he just brought energy back to it and he, he kept going. And he defensively, he's, he is very good defensively because yeah. he'll, he'll, he'll put in that shift. And there's something nice about a guy coming on with 20, 25 minutes to go. And it's almost like in his head, he's like, I'm going to come off this park absolutely knackered. You know what I mean? I'm just going to nonstop work, 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 work. And I think it makes, it, it, it'll it lift the team. And I, th I think Denham's the sort of guy in the dressing room will be quite, uh, he'll be a popular player. He'll be probably one of the jokers of the, of the pack, I'd imagine. So... To, when he comes on and puts in that kind of shift, it will, it will go through the team well. So, no, I, look, it, he, I mean, great finish. You know, let it come across his body and 
sort of, no, I'm joking, yeah, I don't even know how he, it went in, off his balls or something, but it went in anyway. Um, no, I, I thought it was good, and as I say, it's that attitude you see, and as a fan you want to see. I don't care if you're struggling, if you put in a shift, for me, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think, it, James, he, he came on and he looked kind of like, I, I want to get back into this team. And I think that, obviously, our, our depth is something, unless it's centre midfielders, is, is something that we're, we're not great at just now in terms of the depth of our squad. We could probably play a team of centre mids. But, I mean, he came on today and it was kind of like, I'm going to get on this park and I'm going to try and push for a, a starting place next week. And, yeah, I, I thought he, he did well when he came on, James. He, he kind of personified the hunger of the rest of the team, where he came on and he got amongst it. He made a couple of mistakes, but I said in the game against Alwa, and I, maybe I was being a bit insulting and it wasn't meant that way. He does a lot of the basic stuff really well. He did a lot of tidying up and things there, but today it wasn't just that. Um, he, he, yeah, he had a decent game and yeah, he makes mistakes, but I think it's because he's trying to do stuff. He's trying to make things happen. He's trying to buy space for others. He's trying to get the ball forward and things. Um, yeah, and he was he looked really positive, really hungry, really enthusiastic today. Um, yeah, and I think the more we see of that, the better. I mean, he's I, I, I maybe I'm in the Danny Denham fan club, but um, I, I thought he had a, a decent game today. Um, and I think he's kind of overlooked a little bit because he's not he's not one of the more fashionable players in the team. I think the best example of that, though, James, is the fact that. You know, look where he is to score the goal. You know, Bonsu gets the ball out wide, kind of there's nobody there, and there's Denham busting his arse to get across the defender to put it in. So, you know, when you needed that that extra energy, he definitely brought it. And no, I thought that was a, I thought it was a good little cameo for sure from him. Maybe I was going to say Maybe, sorry, sorry, James, maybe we do actually do Danny a disservice and say that he only scores tappings and stuff. But he is getting himself into the positions to get the goal. And that's not always easy. That that takes instinct and it takes intelligence. And, you know, we, we take the mic about, you know, he, he gets himself in the um, on the score sheet by hitting it off his balls, like Doug said, or whatever. But, you know, let's give Danny some credit whether it was due today. He got himself into the position. He made a couple of really good fills and stuff as well. Um, so, no, definitely fair play to him. The next person that I wanted to bring up was Aaron Dunsmore, who I thought looked a bit shaky in the first half, but certainly after Murdoch went off and he went in at his more natural position at, at right back, just started to do the, the sort of Gary Neville overlap and was, was pretty confident going forward and was trying to create stuff. When he's got a chance to run at um, at the fullbacks is where I think he looks at his best and and tried to create some stuff. Doug, it's kind of a difficult one because obviously I think ninety nine percent East Fife fans would prefer to have Stuart Murdoch at right back, but you've got to give Dunsmore his due of how he performed today. Yeah, definitely. Uh, look, we all remember Aaron Dunsmore of three years ago, maybe, yeah. um, where he had just like a season where. I actually couldn't believe he wasn't playing at a better level and people hadn't looked at him because he would just bomb up and down there all you know all day, kind of like Mercer did his first season with us uh, all those many a moon ago. Um, he just goes in his shell a bit too much at times, Dunsmore, and he, it's, it's again, it's confidence. If he's, if he's playing in a winning team, 
he'll play like he did in that second half today, where it's just like go, 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 you know, just constant. I mean, that run he did near the end where the fullback's probably just like, oh, mate, would you piss off? Just yeah. like, you know what I mean? It's just constantly going up and down that line. The reason Murdoch is a better right back is because he's a very, very good defender. And I think I think it's slightly different at our level compared to top levels where your fullbacks are pretty bad defenders anyway. Generally, most good fullbacks are not great defenders, but they're so good going forward. But you don't play like that really at lower level as such. But going forward, when he's in that kind of mood, he's he's very good. And he's a great guy to bring. If he's confident as well, and you can bring him off the bench for 20 minutes to go and have a go at a tired fullback, He's a very, very good sort of weapon to have. And I think, yeah, he's just frustrating. He, he's, a, he's a perfect example of a lower league footballer. Where he's not going to be amazing every time, but when he's on, he's very good. James, what if you had to try and put your finger on it, what do you think was the difference in the second half? What, what do you think was the catalyst for change that, that we've really seen that made the difference? Um, I think... In my opinion, keeping our foot on the gas. Um, in the past, where we've scored a goal, we've immediately allowed teams to come straight back at us. And I was a bit concerned after the penalty that almost immediately Peterhead had a corner. And I'm saying, here we go. I thought, we're going to concede a goal here and it's going to be a draw or worse. And, but we didn't. Um, we played out of there and it was calm. And then we went on. But in the previous games, we've kind of sort of gone, all right, we've scored or we've got come level and we've invited teams onto us and they've punished us for it. And we didn't do that today. We kept the pressure on. And I know Darren Young said two or three times about we need to be more clinical and we need to stop letting teams into that. Because we've we've lost two or three games that are 3-0 that really we shouldn't have. We should have maybe lost 1-0 or even drawn some of these games. But yeah, we've we've created a lot of hassle for ourselves unnecessarily by putting unnecessary pressure. And that wasn't there today. And they just seemed, for whatever reason, particularly in defence, to be a lot more calmness and the ability to play out the back and get the ball forward. And, it, it, yeah, whatever they've been working on, however they've worked it, it was really positive today. I think the other thing we have to bear in mind is, before we get too carried away, this is Peter Head, um, a very diff- different kettle of fish to um, Montrose or uh, Cove Rangers or Queen's Park. But it was really important today. Today needed to happen. It was the kind of bloodletting that needed to occur. I think you're right, James, but I also think we said it last week, these are the games that will define our season. It's not Queen's Park and Falkirk because we're, we're not, it's, we're in a do- totally different boat to them. Um, uh-huh. Lee, I'm getting nothing from a fishing-based pun. <sighs> That's depressing. Uh, there, there's four, there's, there's four reasons why we won today, and I hope I can remember all four. Uh, one, we fought hard for everything. Yeah. Two, we played football. Three, we didn't make any stupid mistakes. And four, we were clinical in front of goal. Simple as that. I, I think the thing that I like today is we attacked as a team and we defended as a team. It was a team performance. Um, and I know that that's a total cliche, but literally, you know, it was also a game of two halves. When the, the first half, it looked like we, we could have easily... Um, I've been 2-0 down 3-0 down going into the game at half time but just that little bit of luck seemed to make a big difference but there was more and more communication there was more grit there was more passion there was more determination all the stuff that we've been screaming for 
and Darren Young will be going to his bed tonight, probably leaving a massive sigh of relief and just went, right, okay, we've got another week to, well, mind you, actually, it's two weeks till our, our next league game to, to try and get that run going and, and, and sort of get us up the table. I think what I like to see, Lee, was at full time, when Young's going up to the players to sort of, you know, give them a pat on the back, there was, there was a lot of passion from the players towards him. You know, Gallagher came over and big fist pumps to him as if, you know, like, which shows that for me that they're, they're wanting to do well for him because they'll, they'll know he's under pressure and, they, and they're the ones putting him under pressure for sure. So that, that was nice to see, I think, for me. Yeah, and the other thing that I don't think they've actually touched on um, was the clean sheet, which is such a big win for us in terms of confidence. Um, James, I mean... Like I say, we, we defended so resolutely today. I mean, the amount of times that we're very, very clever and not letting the ball come in, you know, just putting the ball out, you know, sticking it out for a corner. Um, and, I mean, they, they had a really sort of big physical centre-forward, Peter Crouch-esque centre-forward. They had that wee nyaf at number 10 that looked like he was straight out of the lollipop guild and, and onto the pitch. But, um, you know, he seemed to find himself in a lot of space in the first half. But then I don't know what Darren said. I would have loved to have been a fly in the wall in, in, in that uh, dressing room at, at halftime because whatever he said and, and whatever he's done to, to make that team a little bit tighter definitely made the difference. And another thing that I like to see today was it was Stevie Frail going up to Darren Young and he had his notebook out and they were obviously talking about the, the, the formation, the possession. And I just wonder if Stevie Frail's know-how is going to maybe just start really tightening up some some loose ends that potentially we've we've got on the on the park. But what we're going to do now is we're going to come to Andrew Osea Bonsu. And Osea is how we pronounce it, I believe. Um, I've been trying to work on that today. He came on um, and his first touch very much appears to be like a trampoline. Um, you know, the, the ball seems to bounce off him. And I was just a bit like, Oh no! And we brought Kev off, and he seemed, he seemed to put um, I say up front, and I was a bit like, right, okay, well, we'll see how that goes. But to give him his credit, the the play for the first goal, he absolutely rinses the boy down the right hand side, in a perfect pass to Danny Denham. Doug, I'll come to you first, and then I'll come to you next, James. Thoughts on I say so far. And do you think that next week in the cup game we give him a start ahead of somebody like Pat? Uh, thoughts on him? He, I'm going to go for Enigma. Uh, <laughs> he, he looks a wee bit like a cart horse, and then he does things that you're like, "Oh, this boy's got it." So what I loved, and it, 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 I absolutely loved it when he crossed it and they scored individually every player went up to him and gave him a hug or a high five every one of them as if to say that's what we're what you know it was brilliant to see that little bit of team camaraderie to, yeah togetherness yeah I could, that was a tough word to say because he used to play for Everton didn't he Danny or Calamari to get a fish bun in um, <laughs> no look I, th- I, I think he'll be hit and miss I think there'll be times we'll watch him be like this guy is brutal. And then there'll be times where he'll do things very well. Should he start next week? Yeah. I think I think probably it's a great time to give him a start in the in the Diddy Cup or whatever the hell it's called. But no, I, I think he's 
I don't know if he's any good, to be totally honest with you, but there's there's some good signs and bad signs, although he must sort out his shin guard situation. Yes. That's all. Uh, that's all. James, what's your, your thoughts on us here? I think it's a bit unfair of us to make any kind of judgment on him. He's had a limited amount of time to play. Today he got, what, 10 minutes, which I thought was quite evidently Darren's kept. Uh, Kev Smith on because he was playing well he was keeping that he was really forcing forward and everything was good however only giving him 10 minutes in that time today that I counted sort of three decent runs where he really sort of had a pop at defenders and had them in his pocket and you think can he do that for 90 minutes or is this a weapon that we just keep on for playing half an hour at the back end of a game I don't know um, but yeah equally I'd sort of said at the end of the first half maybe what we need is more of a classic poacher. And if he can get balls like that in consistently, like he did to Danny, then at this level, he'll create goals for us. But we'll, we'll see over time whether he can consistently do it. Should he play next week? What's the harm? What have we got to lose? Uh, James, can I, just, can, I, can I just quickly clarify? We've been unfairly criticising people in this podcast <laughs> since its inception. So that's... Uh, <laughs> It, it is unfair, but we will continue to do it. I mean, really, As you why, should, why should we change the habit of a lifetime? I think what I like to think about us as a, a podcasting t- team, if you will, is that we we'll, might be critical, but we'll very often admit where we're wrong. So if, if we made a mistake, we'll, we'll call it out. Um, you know, I, I said that I didn't think Kevin Smith should be our next manager, you know. Um, I've, I've received some some abuse from people who shall rename nameless um, by them telling me that he's, he's went and got his coaching badges and all that sort of stuff. I didn't know that. So, you know, who knows? He could be our next manager, but I'll, I'll wait and I'll see if I've got to admit that down the line. But let's talk about the manager. So that will Darren get credit from the Boo Boys um, for the... the Bit of tactical now, you know, in terms of changing our shape when things weren't going well. We went from a three to a five to a four at the back, and then we seemed to go to um, five in midfield when we had the ball. And I thought that we looked pretty resolute all across the park today. And you know, they might you might say, "Oh, it's against Peterhead," but you know, Peterhead are one of the only part-time teams in the league, and physically, in terms of fitness. We, we definitely overtook them in the second half. They looked very, very tired, Doug. Uh, definitely. I mean, I do I think the Boo Boys will get off his back, not even for five minutes, but I think he deserves credit. And the, like I said, as a manager, and I've said it before, you can set your team out to play in any way you want, and if they make an absolute arse of stupid, simple things, you're going to lose football games, and, and you're then going to get judged harshly on what is players' mistakes. So you, you go in a game like today, like I say, where you make no mistakes, you're very solid, you're resolute, you're hard to beat, hard-working, play football, and you get the rewards from it. Um, I'm delighted for him. Absolutely yeah. delighted for him. I mean, I, I said last week that I was losing patience, definitely, and if we'd lost quite heavily today, I think I even said I might jump on the, maybe it's time to make a change bandwagon. Uh, James, James is nodding. Tammy, listen. Um, but I, I, like we've said before, I rate Darren Young as a manager and I want him to be successful massively. I think wanting your team to lose so people lose, lose their jobs is a mental concept for me. And loads of people are like that. 
that I know for a fact there'll be a few guys tonight who'll inwardly be a bit disappointed that they can't put on their usual bile online. And what I liked, even simple things, there was loads of comments after the game on East Fife Twitter and all these things saying like positive things, as opposed to, you know, sometimes you win a game and there's like three comments on the game, but if you lose, there's 25. Uh, there was something nice about that today. There was lots of positivity. And yeah, it's the first game we've played this season where I sort of expected us to, uh, you know, maybe not win, but at least be favourites to win. And we'd, we have comfortably. So, yeah, credit where credit's due. James, obviously you are probably the most positive East Fife fan that I know. Like I've said to you in the past, that is purely down to lack of experience of being an East Fife fan and haven't been hardened and suffered as, as much as the rest of us have. But it must be nice to have seen... You know, I, I, do you want to know what I thought that the fans um, definitely lifted the, the players after the second goal went in particularly and were a lot more positive. What you know, I, I don't know what your experience was as supporting other teams outside of East Fife before you came to Bayview, but I mean, what was your first in, like initial thoughts of Bayview as a ground and the East Fife fan base as a whole, and how you would compare that to other teams that you've watched? In Scotland, no significant experience. So, um, but what I would say is, you spoke last week about momentum and um, how important it is. And I think amongst the supporters at Bayview, that seems just about as important as amongst the players. Today at Bayview, there was a completely different atmosphere. Even as the teams came out, the the volume, um, getting behind them, the shouts for them and so forth, was noticeably more than in previous games. I think people realised how big a game it was and got behind them. And like you said, the sort of noise after goals and so forth. And at the end, instead of people obviously not booing, but instead of people just wandering off and people staying to applaud the team off the pitch and stuff, there was a completely different atmosphere today. And I think there needs to be a wee bit of a maturity amongst some supporters who need to accept that the level we're at and the teams we're playing against, we are going to lose games. But there are games like today that are big games, and the guys absolutely stepped up to the plate. And I think, yeah, um, I think it's a bit unfair, some of the jip that Darren's taken. I think some of it is absolutely justified. And I think you mentioned about last week about his interview. I, I, I get it. He comes across quite negative in that. He says some of the things he said before. But actually you can sense he's got exactly the same frustrations as we have. And I'm neither in the sort of sack him or keep him camp. I, I, I like to think I'm kind of balanced. But I, I've re-watched that interview a couple of times and you can see he is mega frustrated. He, he doesn't want to lose. So, I mean, and like Doug was saying, people who are wanting us to lose so he can get sacked, there's something really wrong there. That's not a fan to me. <laughs> it's, it's, that's not a fan to me you know a fan for me is thick and thin you know yep. absolutely through thick and thin and look you know I get sometimes that you know you, you might have your opinions on, on whether you should change the manager and stuff and look you know I, I'm still in the you know you know that's one win but we need to get the, the wins against the teams around us I mean if we have a look across the the, the league today 
Clyde, um, you know, decent penis, scores two goals against Cove Rangers and they win 2-1. Um, you look at Falkirk, um, Queen's Park have gone away to them and beat them 1-0. Dumbarton beating League, League, League leaders Montrose. The teams around us are still picking up points. Obviously, the Airdrie-Alawa games called off with COVID and I think that they could end up getting dragged into the side of the league that, that we're going to be in. So, as long as this performance is a catalyst for change and we start seeing that level of performance that we saw today, then we could potentially turn this around and there'll be a lot of people that will have to hold their hands up. Like I said, I've, I wasn't quite in the, the Darren out camp, um, but you know, patience is definitely wearing thin. But if we put the performances in like we did today, then I'll back them all the way, 100%. So what we're going to do is we're going to come on to our 3-2-1s which I hope you're organised with. And like I say, I think that it's going to be a difficult shout. Um, I'll kick off so that I can't be accused of copying anyone. Um, and it gives uh, Doug time to maybe write some extra notes down because his friend Gordon isn't on and he normally steals stuff from him. So <laughs> we'll go in with mine first. Um, I've given my three points to McManus. Um, I kind of felt like he was everywhere today. He was very, very positive in possession calm, collected, and looked like the player that we kind of hoped that he would be. Um, so three points for him. Two points I've given to Kieran Miller. Um, just gave us so much more in terms of that dig communication and, you know, was all over the park trying to, uh, to, win, um, to win the ball for us. I'll be honest with you, I was massively underwhelmed with his signer. Um, I didn't even pass comment on it on social media. I was just kind of a bit like, is he really what we need? Um, and it shows you what I know. Um, so hopefully he can keep going with, with those level of performances and, and start carrying us through some of the games that we've desperately needed that sort of dig. Um, and I've given my one points to, to D Higgs and I just thought he was so assured at the back today um, and, and really made a difference to us when he came on. Doug? Uh, not too dissimilar. I've gone three points to Miller because I think he almost single-handedly turned that team around in terms of he got stuck in, he was vocal, which is two of the big things that we've lacked recently, big time. And just that, I think the great Scottish word of nyaf, he was yeah. defi- he's definitely a wee nyaf. And yeah, he was good the first time around at Bayview and he would have performances. You know, and that was... That was like his first spell today. I thought he was fantastic. Two points I've given to Connor McManus. Same sort of thing as you were saying, Lee, and we talked about just had a great game, just puffed his chest out and played good football and kind of showed what midfielder we've got. One, I'm going to give to Kevin Smith. I'm really surprised I've just said that as opposed to Higgins. In many ways, I thought Kevin Smith was almost like our man of the match. He just, he's just got that ability when you, when you need just someone to, as you say, get in front of defenders, get on the ball, take us up the park and drag us forward. He, he's one of the best in the league at that. And he's, he's still got that ability. The, the, the sad thing for us, I guess, is that he is coming towards the end of his career and he can't do that every week and he struggles to do it for 90 minutes, which, yeah. which is a shame. But I just thought, Hi, that just just we need someone to just you know, but that bit of quality up front, and he's definitely got that. Higgins could easily have got three points for me, to be totally honest, and he got none. 
I thought he was class when he came on, made huge, huge difference. And there's almost every player I could have given the point to today, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, really the only player that we've not really spoken in depth about, I mean, we've, we've spoken about Dunlop had a good game, Dundee, Murdo, pretty much everybody across our, our team. Um, I think the only player that's not really had much of a shout was, was Pat, but you know he's, he's had a bit of a tough time from us on, on previous shows, so we'll, we'll not go too much into that. Um, but what about yourself, James? What, who's, who's getting your three to ones? Um, I'm quite reassured that you are saying you were struggling to pick these as well because I sat in the car afterwards, sort of arm and on over individuals. Um, in particular, Miller and Denham, I thought had better games than normal and really stood up, stepped up to the plate. Um, my three is Jamie Semple. I think, like you said, he was an absolute menace. Um, snapshots all over the place and I noticed the second half every time he went on the ball he was getting two Peter Head guys on top of him almost straight away so it's obviously Peter Head picked up on him um, so he caused a lot of hassle for them and I think he created a lot of space for us in the second half as a result uh, my two uh, Daniel Higgins I mean similar to what the point you've already said but I think particularly for when he came on I was a little concerned it's like ah, is this going to be the point where things start turning against us but actually, if anything, he solidified things at the back. He cleared up loads of stuff. And that was like with a sort of down and dirty in the first half and then just really stepped up in the second half. So really good game from him. My final one, um, Conor McManus. You've already alluded to him. Um, but I mean, his work rate, um, particularly in the second half. And I like that description as a bit of a nyaf. Um, I like that. Uh, yeah, he was, um, yeah, again, just that work rate, really good. So, yeah. So, I will say, Lee, that I thought Slattery did well today. You know, just in, I think he's worth a mention. Um, he's not the most gifted footballer in that middle of the park area, but he does add a little bit of bite, which is good. And he, he puts in a hell of a shift. Yeah. Um, I don't think that anybody could question Pat's desire or anybody can question that I, I personally feel when he steps onto the park, he plays for the shirt. You know, he's one of those players that, you know, he's not technically gifted, but... I, I always feel bad when I talk about Pat because I feel like I don't ever say a lot of positive things about him and I love him, right? And, and that's one thing that I do actually want to say. I'm just not sure he's a League One player. And I wonder that, you know, when Davidson comes back or when, you know, if, if Bonsu turns into a decent player or, you know, Pat's probably the player that I look to sacrifice in that. Um, but like I say, I, I do want to make it clear that I do love him, and you know he is a, a player that's that's stuck with us through thick and thin. I think the one thing I'll add to that though, Lee, is for quite a number of years he's pretty much played every game. Yeah. So so there's obviously a reason that he's playing every game, and whether it's for you know he's a great guy in the I'm a, I can again I can imagine he'll be a great guy in the dressing room, and they'll all. You know, he is a committed guy. And if you've got players on there who are going to, despite maybe a slight lack of, you know, amazing talent, but someone who's just going to work their arse off and dig in and do everything for that performance in that shirt, then there's a reason managers pick him every week. And I, I agree in theory when, you know, everyone's fit, does he get an 11 for me? Probably not. But it wouldn't surprise me if he is still in there in some position. 
I think because he's so versatile, it helps. You know, they, they, again, he's one of those players who say, Pat, I need you to play in goals today. And he probably goes, right, OK, we'll just do it for you because that's how much he cares and, and clearly loves the game. Like I said, I didn't, I'm not digging him out. I'm just more saying, you know, I, I'm not sure he's a League One player, but, you know, but what I've shown my knowledge in, on this podcast um, that's come back to, to bite me in the arse then. Uh, I, I, said, I said that to you at one point today, actually, when he was randomly like up front chasing down the goalie and I was like, oh, Pat's yeah. like, he's up front. They've obviously gone, ah, we'll give him a go there as well, why not? Might <laughs> as well. So, on the Pat Saturday subject, but just before we, mo- we move on um, and talk about next week and we've got some que- uh, questions from some, some listeners to go through as well, we are overloaded with centre midfielders. Now, how many more do we actually need? And, you know, our bench could essentially be full of them. And it brought me on to something that I want to bring up to discuss. A player that we have spoken quite highly of is Liam Newton. Now, Liam Newton this season, he had a good game against Queen's Park um, and then hasn't overly played that well in his remaining games. And I said to my dad today that I think I would actually quite like to see him go on loan somewhere because I think that we're going to have enough in terms of squad depth for that position that we could probably let him go. But I would quite like to maybe see him go and go out and get some experience. James, do you think that that would be the right idea or do you think that you would like to see him in and around the squad? It's a really tough one, isn't it? Because if he goes out on loan, he's inevitably going to have to step down at least one level, if not a couple of levels. Um, And then he could go and shine there is it going to do him any good? Maybe his confidence, but is it actually going to develop him as, develop him as a player? And there's a big question mark there. But if we're not going to play him, what is the benefit of having him sitting there getting, not depressed, but miserable, sitting on the bench watching the others around him? It's not doing him any favours. So it has to be managed quite carefully and there has to be an end goal for him. Is there, is there a long-term plan for him? Um, I think that clearly has to be expressed. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really tough one. Um, I would rather he went out on loan and came back a more confident player, having banged in a few goals either in the Highland League or in League Two, or yeah, um, than sitting on the bench festering and getting frustrated. Yeah, I, th- I think, Doug, for me, you know, there's some great points raised there by James. I'm in more than the camp that I think I would like to see him go out on loan. And look, he's still a young lad and he's played like mainly before last season, like youth football, like under 21s or whatever. I think I'd quite like to see him play against men, like go out and play um, maybe in like the lone league or even junior, go out and just get some experience of being roughed up and getting stuck into tackles or um, maybe like go somewhere in the, in the lowland league and be playing against like the Cokes teams or or whatever, just go and get that probably week in, week out experience and see if we, we do have a player on our hands or not. Because when we've got a fully fit team, it doesn't make the bench for me. Um, in terms of you know the, the quality and sentiment that we've got in terms of McManus now Miller, um, Davidson, you know even Pat if Pat's playing there you know and I, I think that he's probably a player that we can look to 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 move on loan but we'll we'll see how that goes. So what we're going to do is come to our questions from our listeners and we've got quite a few so we'll go through them. There's a bit of a debate going on right now. 
um, about next week. So we'll come to that question first, and that's from Andy English um, at Bayview Boy on Twitter. Hello, Andy. Um, he's asked if there's any news on Kyle Connell. Once Ross Davidson is fit, can him, Kian Miller, play in the same team? For next week's cup tie, should we field all the fringe players to keep the starters fit for the following week and allow injuries for me uh, for the team to heal? So I'll, I'll answer that one first. For me, we, we field that B team next week. The Challenge Cup, not important to me at all. Um, apparently, we've got the Rovers or the winner of Rovers or forefront in the next round. Couldn't give a toss, to be honest. Um, I would quite happily see us bomb out of that cup and a, a 6-0 defeat next week um, makes no difference to me whatsoever um, and let's just try and keep injury free but what about you Doug? Um, I don't want to get me 6-0 because that will shatter our confidence but no, I I, uh, I don't care about next week I won't I, I mean I'll, I'll be abroad I'll probably forget to even look at the score if I'm being totally honest it's just one of these tournaments you're like just stop it stop yeah. it now Um yeah, absolutely. Um, I would. It w- can Davidson and Miller play together? Absolutely, because if you if we're playing three centre midfielders, I don't mind. Especially against the better teams, having two holders and one guy in McManus who can go forward and play football. Absolutely, they can play together. I, I, I'm almost quite excited to see them play together. James, I've got a slightly different view on the Challenge Cup. Um, I think we've got to be realistic about what are we going to win this season. We're not going to win the league. We may go on a cup run in the Scottish Cup if we're lucky, but this is our only chance to actually get a few cup games under our belt. Now, you can sit and moan about it being the lower leagues, etc., etc., but this is the only one where Darren Young could sit and say to them, that's a piece of silverware we can realistically have a decent tilt at. Um, so I think it's quite easy to be to look down our nose at it. Equally, do I think we should play some of the fringe players? Yeah, I think there's an opportunity there. But I think particularly at the moment, next week's game is important for that momentum piece. We've got a win under our belt. To go and do the same thing again next week against them would be huge, especially going into the game against the Moretti St. Dunbar in the following week. That We need to keep that going. If we go up there and lose, we're almost taking a step back. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's important we get that win next week. I think you're right about the, you are right about the Challenge Cup in terms of it's the only thing you can win. And I was firmly in that camp a few years ago, firmly in that camp. But see, when they started doing, you know, random teams from Wales and Ireland, and then you know, and then it's like, oh, we'll let the B teams in. It just watered it down so much. I actually used to love the Challenge Cup. And because of that very reason, once you see, once you got to like the quarterfinals of that, you're like, oh, this could, you know, even just to have that final where you know you go to McDermott Park or whatever, and there's a semi full house and that final atmosphere. I used to like it, but they've just diluted it so badly, and they've got it yeah. so wrong. I think that, I mean, St Johnson B at home. I mean, what what what's going on? You know yeah, what I mean? For- it's 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 actually insulting to part-time men's football to tell them to go and play against these little kids. It's, I know we only won one nil, but it's, I, I just think it's a poor tournament now that used to be good. Yeah, I get the point, right? And I, I take it. I think this season is not the time to make that a priority. Um, I think that if we were sitting mid-table, 
um, or you know, we, we look like that we could do some damage in this league, then I'd be like, well, we might as well go for it. But with the volume injuries that we've got and how precarious our league situation is, I don't think this time is the time to prioritise it. Now, I mean, obviously, like I've lived through the watching like Rovers win that cup and, and seeing all my pals going out in Kirkcaldy and, and, and celebrating with the players and stuff. I mean, that would be amazing for us. I, I don't I don't dispute that whatsoever. But for me, that's a, a no-go this season. But we'll move on to our next question, which is from Jaden Fairley, which is Jaden uh, Jaden. F EFFC on Twitter. Um, do you think that we can keep up the level of the second half performance up for the season, or at least the majority of it, Doug? Probably not. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but we would love to. Obviously, if we kept if we play like we did in the second half all season, we'd still have a chance of making the playoffs. But we probably won. But it's it was nice to see that we can do that, and that's that's the benchmark now. But it's very hard to do that. You know, a lot. It was the fact that we pressed very well as well, and that, that's that's always a big thing when you lose the ball. How quickly you can get it back. And I, I I doubt we'll do that every game, but I would love to love us to do it. And obviously, if we do, we'll have a good season. Yeah, I'll echo that one, and I'm sure James will as well. Next question, James, will come to to you for this one. Uh, will we get a, an away victory in the in the games that are coming up? This is from Henry Ireland at Henry Ireland on Twitter. Um, fun fact for today was that we've not won since beating Clyde three 0 um, It was great to see Murdo back in the team, and will be a big headache once Davidson uh, returns for centre midfield, um, which we've touched on already. But great options in Miller and McManus there, and the three two ones will be hard. Well, we've shown that it wasn't as hard as it looked, but we all gave pretty different answers. So um, <laughs> I'll answer that question for you, Henry. But James, I'll come to you first. Um, next away game for us in the league is Dumbarton, a team who have actually started the season probably surprising a few people in terms of. Um, how well they performed they've just beat the league leaders today they're on seven points um, so I mean they've started pretty well do you think that we could go to the the rock and, and get a result? Um, I think I said previously I'd be happy to go there and take away a draw um, Dumbarton have started well they're a decent side they're solid um, we saw how good or well organised Montrose are last week so for them to go and beat them in Montrose today um, I, I don't believe that's an accident or anything. And they're on what seven points? Is that right, me? Yeah. So that, that's, I mean, that's not they've not done that by accident. Um, so yeah, I think it'll be a tough game. Can we go there and win? Uh, on the balance probability, probably not. But if we can go there and take a point, I would certainly be happy with that. Will we get? I think the first question was, will we get an away win? Um, yeah, we'll pick up away wins this season. Um, it's again that confidence thing. I think last season we got into the rut where it was Fortress Bayview and we don't win away from home. And we've all seen it consistently. We've gone to games and lost away games. You think we played better than them, we've got a better side than them, and it was just entirely mental. But yeah, I think we'll win away games this season. Um, I'm not sure about next week though. Yeah, no, of course we'll win away games eventually. Um, the laws of the game would suggest that that's bound to happen. I I kind of agree with James. I think I, I think a point at Dumbarton would be good because it just keeps a bit of momentum going. And then I think is it Falkirk at home after that or so our next fixture is Dumbarton away, then Airdrie away, then we've got Clyde at home, and then Falkirk away. So I mean four 
pretty tough fixtures. I mean, I mean, I think we're going to see that about every game. Um, that the fixtures are looking pretty difficult. But I think for me that the, the big thing is is when when our home games. But I mean, I think the Dumbarton game. You're absolutely right. Um, we need to take at least a point, a point from that next week. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. I think I mean. Every team's got their problems. Every team's got their strengths. I mean, you look at the Clyde at home game. If you keep David Goodwillie quiet, you win. Pretty much yeah. as simple as that. If you don't, you, you can lose. Um, it's very fine margins. Very fine margins. And and we've shown it before against like a Falkirk at home or whatever Falkirk. You know, you can you can take it to these guys and have a right go. So it's 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 all about confidence. It's all about momentum. If you can keep, you know, the longer you avoid losing now on this run which is currently sitting at one in a row um then you you know you've got a chance i would have more confidence and potentially taking a decent win away at airdrie than i would have done barton because they're so inconsistent and you don't know what you're going to get um i'll just throw that out there as a thought well you say that but i mean airdrie if they win at alawa next week will be on the same points as Dumbarton. they just play the game less I think James is right, Lee, and I'll say why. Because Airdrie fans are absolute bastards. If we think if we think East Fife fans are bad at home games, if they get behind in a game or not on top of a game, their fans turn on them so quickly. So I, yeah. I, I can kind of see that, to be honest, what James is saying, that if you go into that game and you can sneak ahead, you've got more chance of beating them than the Martin in a lot of ways. Well, the, the, the final thing that I'm going to ask you is, and, and not so much ask you, but I'm just going to reflect on Andy English's question that he asked. And he was saying, that he pretty much asked, you know, where, what our best 11 is and, and how does that look? Based on today, I've come up with an 11 that if we've got a fully fit team that I would look at. So for me, obviously Gallagher and goals, back four and Murdoch, the Higgins brothers and Mercer, a midfield three probably of Davidson, McManus and Miller and Swanson in behind Kev Smith and Kyle Connell. Uh, yeah, it's hard to overly argue. I I struggle a wee bit with Mercer in a four and I would also, on current form, I'd, I'd almost probably have Dunlop before Chris Higgins at the moment. But I think if everyone's on form, it's a different between on form and playing to their best capabilities. If everyone's playing their best capabilities, I'd have Higgins times two. But at the moment, I, I would have Dunlop over Chris Higgins. He's just got that little bit more pace. It's not much, but it's yeah. enough to it's enough to make a big difference. I was, I was going to say, but obviously Dunlop's made a lot of mistakes this season, but so is Higgins. So it's kind of which one's the lesser of the two evils. And I just think that for me, Chris Higgins... Um, slightly edges that but I want to put that out to our listeners we'll come to the end of the show fill my sack in terms of the mailbag in terms of what you think that our, our strongest 11 with a fully fit team would be and where do you think East Fife will finish this season has that performance given you any confidence do you think that this is a catalyst for change let us know on Twitter at Glory Days of Gold or on Facebook we don't really post too much on there um, because the majority of our interactions come on Twitter um, or you can email us glorydaysofgold at gmail.com but that's all for our, our show this week before we go gentlemen do you want to uh, have any more quips or thoughts? I mean, I actually don't have one, really, but I was thinking about our light-hearted moment of the 
yes. of the week. Um, I will be honest and say I'm not organised for that this week because I've not seen an awful lot. Um, normally I'll, I'll write things down the week. My let's all laugh at would be Man City for them thinking that they were going to get Ronaldo and then Man United zumping them and bringing Cristiano Ronaldo home. That's good. You know, the East 5 win is only just overtaken how happy that made me feel. So I can give you that one, Doug, but have you got anything that you want to add? I've not. I'm just thinking about today. I watched the Man City Arsenal game. I actually hate take, talking about English football in this because yeah. I, and I just I hate this glorified nonsense that everyone buys into. However, Arsenal are very funny to watch right now. I mean, that was, I don't know if you saw it, it was embarrassing. Like, I think nine, they had, it was something like 9 or 10% nine, possession. 9% possession. That's Unbelievable. Embarrassing. It, it, it was very, very funny. Um, so uh, mine will be just because I, I like I like when so-called big teams struggle. Like East yeah. Fife. Yeah, are struggling as a, as a big team. Do you have anything? Um, yeah, on that point, our Arsenal as embarrassing as their supporters will be when they have the Arsenal TV responses and things. Not like um, us. Yeah, the only <laughs> the only one that I thought of was I don't know if you've seen um, this afternoon Man City um, put out two new statues outside the Etihad of um, David Silva and or allegedly of David Silva and Vincent Company. <laughs> And some of the comparisons that have been made, who they really look like, um, you only need to uh, sort of Google it on Twitter and it is incredible. They're being referred to as Kenny Dalgleish um, or the David Silver statue looking like Kenny Dalgleish, the Vincent Company one looking like Thomas Gravison. Rather cruelly, one of them referring to um, Vincent Company looking like Jimmy Savile, which I think is particularly harsh. <laughs> um, Judging the things that have happened in the Etihad, um, area this week I don't think that those are the sort of comparisons that they're looking to be drawn right now um, no, Man City have not had a good week <laughs> they have not had a good week I mean one of the tweets I've seen them saying can't believe we paid 50 million for Mendy only to lose them on a Bosman to the Cheshire Police so I mean there's been yeah Twitter, I've said it before but Twitter is unrivaled for patter on any social media but look this, this episode's gone on a bit longer than I thought it was going to so I'm going to draw it to a conclusion and East Fife win today three points great to see um, a, a positive atmosphere at Bayview a positive result at Bayview so we'll probably not be back next week because I don't think any of us are going to watch the game so I think we're going to have a bye week um, and we'll be back for the Dumbarton game so Enjoy your week off. I hope you enjoyed the show and take care. Stay safe. And more importantly, one the five. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.